What an introduction. I can't wait to meet the guy you introduced, Geordie. My goodness. Thank you so much, Ben. You did a fantastic job. You continue to do so. So some people are happy to be here. Some people aren't sure that they're happy to be here. And the rest of you, you're here. That's fantastic. Be encouraged. Um, I really count it a privilege to be given the opportunity to speak. spoke two weeks ago at uh, Box Hill campus, and that was a, a real uh, hoedown because I, I got them to get out of their chairs, get uncomfortable, and we did a selfie. And because I'm not good at selfies, it took about 10 minutes of the sermon, which was excellent, took the pressure right off me. So I'm not going to do a selfie here, all right? You can be encouraged. But uh, I just want to say to you, in all honesty, I feel like an expectant father. Now, what do I mean by that? My son's getting nervous up the back there, but it's not about that. It's, I'm, I'm so excited at what God's put on my heart to share with you this morning and what that's going to birth in each of you as a result. You believing for that this morning? Because even if you're not believing for that this morning, God is in the house, God is with us, and God is for us. And so expect great things from a great God, okay? That's what we want to see happen this morning, and that is what is going to happen this morning. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. The title of the message this morning is Outside the Village. I'm going to take my watch off, going to time myself, just so there's no embarrassment of people dragging me off the stage when I'm meant to get off. But um, I just, again, believe there's a number of things, as I've read four verses in the book of Mark, I'm going to lead you towards that this morning, and those four verses, I believe, have the power to change your vision. Not just your sight, but your vision. The insight that you're going to get as a result of when you walk with the Lord and where he's going to take you, and that's where it is, outside the village. Do you believe that this morning? I want to build some excitement here because I'm excited and we're all going to get excited and there's a lot that is about to unfold. And I'm going to share a word of testimony after we open up God's word and as we look at that, uh, because I believe as a result of what I've read and what my understanding is that we need to be stretched in order to reach others with the good news of Jesus. Can I repeat that again? We, we need to be stretched. You and I need to be stretched in order to reach others with the good news of Jesus. Because unless we're stretched, we're not going to have that impact with others that we come into contact with. And also, I believe that there's a difference between being a follower of Jesus and a disciple of Jesus. Okay, and we're going to unpack that a bit this morning as well. So please, sit back, relax, don't fall asleep. Let's commit the word of God to him right now and ask his blessing, his breath on that word that is going to unlock something in you and in me that is going to impact those we love and care for. Let's, let's commit the word of God to him and the reading of it now. Father God, thank you for the privilege of coming together as the body of Christ. Lord, we thank you for your presence here with us this morning as we worship you the way that you inspire us. You settle our hearts, you calm our minds, and Lord, you need to take us to places sometimes that we don't want to go, but we know that we know we can trust you. And Father, we want to commit this time to you right now in Jesus' name and ask that you breathe on these words and give them life and give them hope 
and give them all the way through into eternity, Father. It's going to bring people to Jesus and it's going to bring you glory. And that's what this is all about, outside the village. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, for those of you that have got Bibles in your hands or iPads, iPhones, I wish I sit with someone that does. Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 25, just four verses. Do you know, when I was looking into this this passage, I, I stumbled across a thesis just on one of the four verses. A thesis. Someone that spends untold amount of time researching and studying and, and, and there's just so much that we need to unpack here and we've got a limited time. So let's go for it. Is that okay? Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. Sit with someone that's got an iPad, iPhone, I wish, and let's go for it. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand led him outside the village, and when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. bit of a controversial uh, passage this morning and I want it to stretch us, I want it to challenge us and I want God to speak to you and to me and see what he can do this morning. Let's unpack these four verses just a little bit then I'm going to share my testimony um, in regard to this passage. The fact that in verse 22 it says that they brought the blind man to Jesus, the followers had great faith and great hope didn't they? Right? They brought him to this man called Jesus that was coming through their town, believing that if you just touch him, would you just touch this man, he's going to be healed. Where do you see that today in our context? Such great faith, such great hope, such great belief that if you just touch this man called Jesus, we're going to see an incredible miracle take place. We need to see that more often, don't we? We need to see such incredible faith and hope. So Jesus' reputation went before uh, he entered that, that village at that time. His reputation went ahead of him. Uh, I, I, I get scared if I ask, you know, how's your reputation? How's my reputation? As we enter places, what's the expectation of those we meet and greet and spend time with? What's their understanding of, of Jesus in you and Jesus in me? Uh, what reputation goes before you and what reputation goes before me? Verse 23, the fact that Jesus took the man by the hand and led him outside the village. Are there times in your life and mine where we need to be taken to places outside our comfort zone? Because when you think about the context of this passage, the people, the followers, the believers came to Jesus, just just touch him, just reach it, just touch him. You're a busy man, you don't have time, you don't know who he is, just touch him and go, he'll be healed. What does Jesus do? He doesn't just touch him, he takes him by the hand. What are you hanging on to this morning in disbelief that you need to let go of? 
that you need to take Jesus by the hand and allow him to take you where you need to go to receive that healing or receive that touch. It's an enormous challenge. I know it is in my life. And uh, there are times where, where you don't want to let go of something. It could be something in the family. It could be something in your business. It could be something even with your neighbour. And, and there's things that you've, you've got to make a conscious decision. You're going to let go of it and give it back to God and let him then take you by the hand and then do what he's going to do the way he's going to do it and see what results happen. Not just one healing, but the impact it's going to have on you, on your family, on your friends, outside the village. There's something else that happens in verse 23. And this is where I read a big thesis on it. I'm not going to get into theology today. You'll be glad about that. There's some people smiling. Jesus spat in the man's eyes. Now, I'm not here to argue. I'm not here to throw things at you. And I'm not going to get someone up here and let's test this, see how it goes. Is that okay, Charles? Okay, because it's not being filmed. But seriously, he's led this man outside the village, got him by the hand, and the first thing this man knows is, bang, he cops a big one in the eye. Now think, think in terms of, can we, can we do a role play here? Are you up for it? You are the disciples. Every one of you sitting here, you've followed this man called Jesus, right? For a number of years, you've watched him, you've witnessed him. He's the son of God. He's the son of man. Uh, he's the Christ. He's the saviour of the world. And now this guy has just spat in his face. Not only is it unacceptable today, they would have been horrified back then. Culturally, traditionally, absolutely off the charts. You don't do that, right? So what is their thought process when they're witnessing the Son of God spitting in this man's eyes? This is the Christ. This is the saviour of the world. All he asked you to do is touch him and you're spitting in his face. Think about it. Are there times in your life and my life in a, in a spiritual way, where you felt like you've been spat in the face, even, dare I say it, by Jesus? Have you asked for something and you felt like in the darkness, in that dark moment in your life, you've been spat in the face by Jesus? I know I have. And I'm sure there are people here that feel that way this morning. What's the point? The point is that Jesus is the Son of God. And his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. If he chooses to do things different to the way you think they're going to be done, that doesn't stop him being God and the Son of God. And the fact he can reach down, he can touch, he could have healed him instantly in the village, but he took him outside the village with his disciples. He's teaching them something in this process too. Because as disciples, as you witness that, are you starting to doubt is this really the Son of God or is this just a man that's gone nuts? Are there times where you doubt the one you're praying to, the one you're crying out to? Are there times you're starting to doubt, is there really a God? Is this real or are we just going through the motions? Does God care about me? Is Jesus hearing my prayer or am I being spat in the face at this moment, at my, my darkest hour? Let's see what happens. 
Verse 24, another very controversial verse. What do you see, says Jesus to the blind man after he spat in his eyes? The blind man says, I see people like trees. What does that mean? Not instant healing. Not what you're expecting. This is God's son. It's a process. Why didn't it happen instantly? Do you think this is creating further doubt with the disciples? You don't hear any record in this account about the disciples and what they're thinking and what they're saying. Not only the spitting and how insulting that is, but now there's not an instant result. Do you think that's testing the the disciples? Do you see where it's going? But there's a process because then Jesus completes the job I think not only for the blind man's sake, I think to show the disciples what else is going on. And he reaches out, he touches him, and what do you see now? His eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Well, only Jesus can restore your vision from being a follower to a doer. Someone that sees things, someone that believes things. Yeah, yeah, Jesus can do it, but he wants me to go where? He wants me to say what? He wants to take me to who? Now, hang on, that's a bit different than just I, I believe it, but now you want me to be part of that process? You want me to get out of my comfort zone and go outside the village? Do you hear what's being said here this morning? Because this is part of the testimony I want to share with you in a moment. Big difference between being a follower and a disciple. There's a cost involved. A cost to let go and let God. A cost to reach out in your darkest hour and allow someone called Jesus to take you by the hand, to take you right out of the village Somewhere that you've been used to the sounds, the smells, the the common marketplace that you used to walk, that you were familiar with as a blind person. And now all you've got is the sound of someone walking alongside you in your darkest hour, taking you out over rubble and over places. Can we have a a shot of uh, the, the village, the picture? Taking it outside the village. Stepping on new stones, new rubble, new things underfoot that you haven't felt before, that isn't familiar ground, and you might even stub your toe in the process. And yet Jesus has got you by the hand. Jesus is walking you to the place you need to go to get your healing, to get your sight restored, to see things from his perspective, to understand there's a process involved. Do you trust me? I see men like trees. Yes, but do you trust me? I'm still here. I haven't let you go. Do you still trust me? Now, maybe for some of you this morning, you're going through a process. And maybe you see people like trees in your situation. Maybe there's things that are happening that we don't understand why. Jesus could have done an instant process then and there as you cried out to him. But God is God. Can I share a little story? I'm already doing it, so if you don't like it, I'm 
we have people at the door that can help you stay where you are. But uh, seriously, I, I, I met a guy called Phil Johnson. Don't ask me to repeat that because my mouth's drying up. But a guy that came out from the US many, many years ago and he spoke to 200 pastors from Melbourne. And he told his story and uh, an amazing man of God that uh, just the perfect guy, perfect church, perfect everything, perfect family. And one day when he was uh, working after hours to support his work as a pastor of this church in the US, his daughter got up in the middle of the night, got out a window and left. And they had no idea whether she's alive or dead, didn't know where she went and didn't know what happened to her. And, And I'll cut a really long story short that he used to keep the front light on on the hope and the prayer that whoever she was hanging out with, whoever she got involved with, and wherever she was, that she would come back one day. Not knowing if she would ever come back. And this man stood in front of 200 pastors from Melbourne and he was crying in front of us, just being a real person saying, I I had sacrificed everything to pastor a church and he actually was jogging through a, a, a city, through the city park. And, uh, and he, as he was jogging this morning, he fell on his knees and he was so angry and he's screaming out at God, I've sacrificed everything for you. I did everything. And now my own daughter, my own daughter, why? Why have you done this to me? And he, he's just letting it out. He's letting the steam off and he's being real. And people were walking past him, knew he's the pastor of that church in that village. Let's call it that village in the US. And do you know what this man, Phil Johnson, said to 200 pastors? Instead of trying to depress them, he said, this is the one thing that God put on his heart. He had this overwhelming sense as he's bawling his eyes out in the middle of the park, shaking his fist, this overwhelming sense that God said, do you want to do this with me or without me? And he just, he just broke. He said, of course I want to do it with you. And the Lord put it on his heart saying, get up, keep jogging, keep doing what you're doing, and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And it was some time later, yes, the daughter came back. Yes, the, Lord, the, the daughter had a baby. Yes, the daughter had been hanging out with a gang. But she's alive, she's well, and she's back with that family. And so when Phil Johnson addressed this crowd of pastors, he was saying, and I'm saying again this morning, in the context of outside the village, whatever your journey is, wherever you find yourself this morning, are you going to do it with God or without God? Are you going to be willing to be led to those places that stretch you and make you feel uncomfortable or are you going to do it all on your own? Because really, folks, for us as Christians, there is no other option. Lord, take me as I am and do what you're going to do and we need to keep our eyes focused on you and trust you because there is no other hope in any situation. I'm going to share a bit of a testimony about our our family's journey outside the village. So February 7th, 2009, Black Saturday, and uh, Jan and I were at a leadership training camp at Upper Plenty, outside Whittlesey, 
and um, during our lunch break, we're all sitting in the dining room. Why does it keep coming back to food in this place? There's something about this church and food. Anyway, we're, we're sitting in the dining room with a team of people, having a good time. Yes, it's a hot day. Yes, it's a bit windy. And, and we're having our meal, and the, the camp owner comes into the dining room, and he says, can everyone put down your knives and forks, please, and uh, vacate the building, get in the car and go. And we're all just looking at him because he was so calm. We didn't know if he was doing April Fool or what he was doing. And the next thing, he thumps the table. He goes, now! And we thought, no, he's getting serious. So we we got up, we left our meals there. We go outside and there's plumes of smoke in the distance. And uh, and we grabbed our gear and we packed our car and we we started driving back, saying goodbye to everyone. And we came back through Whittlesey for Jan and I. And our friends, the McMasters, lived on a farm property, or they live on a farm property just outside Whittlesey. And we thought, we'll just pop in to make sure they're okay. That was the beginning of our journey outside the village because we didn't know part of the journey for us and our family was going to be that in time the flames would come over the ridge five kilometres away and, and at about 80 to 100 feet higher than gum trees, these flames. And then the wind would change and take the flames away from their farm property but to a house in King Lake where his son was trapped and on the mobile phone. And that was the beginning of our story. His son lived, and there's many other things. But as a result of Jan and I and our family getting involved, volunteering with bushfire survivors, we didn't know outside the village for us then was going to take us away from our jobs and and get alongside people that have been traumatised and be hope and light and life to people that had lost everything. We weren't trained up for that. We didn't know the magnitude of what we are going to be part of with a team of other volunteers and putting on community dinners and, and, and networking and building frameworks of, of um, pastoral carers and, and counsellors and psychologists and, and running events to get men to get away together and talk and start to try and rebuild their life. We didn't know. I didn't know that the DHS official, they flew down from Sydney, a specialist guy, uh, that was handing out the money to the people that were hardest hit. I, I befriended, I got to know him well, was working with him. I didn't know outside the village that he was waiting for me to leave the room and then he killed himself. And I found out by email the next day. Now I'm admitting to you, outside the village for me, I hit the wall. Had a shower, had a good howl, and I thought, that's it, I'm done with being a goody-good, two-shoes Christian. What, what difference did it make to that guy? But God had me by the hand. And in the blurriness of I see people like trees through emotion and through my own mental state at that time, God touched me again and said, now what do you see? And I started to see through Jesus' eyes. And I started to press more and more into him on the things that I can't handle. I don't have an answer for that. I don't understand why my best mate's daughter died at 16 from a brain tumour. And we were supporting him while he was supporting his daughter. I don't have answers for any of that. But God hovers over the waters of creation with you and I. And he breathes life into darkness. And he brings and resurrects light into these situations. And he does things that you could never comprehend outside your village. But the thing is, friends, you've got to be willing to let go 
And not just let, let Jesus touch you in your darkest hour, but to hold you, to lead you to where he's going to take you, no matter how uncomfortable that is. And man, sometimes it can get uncomfortable. Can I show you that um, part of the journey for us, our family, was that God gave me a vision and, and that it was to get film footage of the people that trusted us and loved us and respected us, the survivors, and, and we asked permission to, to get footage. Where's hope for them beyond Black Saturday? How do you rebuild your life beyond Black Saturday? Because there's no answer. Everyone's answer is different. And God inspired um, me to raise $50,000. It was God. It was God. I, I, don't, I can't do that. And, and we, got, we got people that, that pledged money and we got a film crew in and we got 200 hours of footage and we edited that 200 hours down to 56 minutes and we called it, God even gave me the title, call it Rising from the Ashes because it had to be about hope and it had to be a message of hope to reach the hopeless. And here's just one little minute of um, that documentary put together. We got to the bath, we took the debris off the top of the bath, we couldn't find anything. So that raised our hopes a little bit, we couldn't find any sign of them in the bath. But it tells you how hot that it was and what was left of their bodies was, wasn't much. I was talking to him on the phone. They told me he was okay, it was all right. And then he was gone. I told him I loved him. And then this all terrible noise came and he was gone. I came back to find Mel and Penny to see how they were. And when I got to the house that they were in, the house was completely burnt to the ground and their cars were sitting in the driveway untouched. Oldest in the morning sun gives you a tiny, tiny introduction into the, um, the documentary that was produced called Rising from the Ashes. It was to give a voice to the unheard and it was amazing getting people that are not actors. These are real people, real raw trauma and, and where's hope beyond Black Saturday? And it was then to encourage others that have been suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and, and um, just to build again, rebuild, but to let Jesus take us outside the walls of the city because for these families there were no walls left there was nothing left and and just to bring them together and start to pray and believe God you are our hope you are our source of strength and to work walk with them and work through a process then this year um, my wife Jan was having coffee with Meredith Resky uh, Pastor Nick's wife and she's an author an amazing person, and, and Meredith was asking my wife, Jan, uh, you guys were involved with some bushfires and, and you did work for a couple of years. To tell me a bit about that story. And so Jan started to unpack the story, and Meredith said, you should write a book. And Jan laughed, and, and Meredith said, no, I'm serious. She said, you guys should just record the things you've learnt, the things you saw, but with a view to mobilise other churches, other people into action. We don't have to wait for a major catastrophic event. And, and so we were encouraged to write a book and it's been published just in the last month and it's called Hell on Your Doorstep. And it's, again, to encourage people 
to there's, there's hell on your doorstep. It's right outside your own door right now. You might have neighbours, friends, relatives, and, and there's domestic violence, there's vulnerable families, there's ice addiction, and you name it, it's there. It's everywhere. But again, we are the hope for the future, aren't we? We are the ones that can lead people to Jesus and let him delve into those deep, dark places. So that's another thing that, that God has inspired us to do. Something that um, I was awoken in the early hours of the, this morning and it wasn't just my dog on the bed wanting to take a walk. Um, God had me sitting there in the darkness just going over these notes the last time and uh, in amongst tears, this is what God put on my heart. I want to read it to you. God asked me, what do you see? And in the context of part of our journey where we've come so far. And, and I saw people like trees from a distance, not fully in focus, not fully comprehending what Jesus saw. Then I realised when you produce a film or a book or a podcast, that goes beyond our lifetime. It isn't just for you here and now. It goes for future generations and I'm not, I'm not talking about a pat on the back, friends. I'm talking about don't ever, ever discredit when you send a text message, when you send an email, when you send a card, when you record something, whatever way God leads you to do it, do it. It goes beyond your lifetime. How often have you been to a friend's funeral or help a friend pack up a house and they've got boxes and boxes of letters and cards and photos? Some people look at that as history but also through God's eyes, through Jesus' eyes, it's history in the making because that's foundational. That can change people's focus. It can change their vision. It can change the dark to light. It can give them hope. It can give them a purpose to live and a purpose to reach out to others. Don't ever discredit when you record something, it's going to go beyond your lifetime. And it may not just be for that person at that time. Do you know how I know that? Because you and I are reading the Word of God this morning. That was recorded 2,000 years ago, but it's relevant today and it's relevant tomorrow and it's relevant beyond our lifetime because God has breathed on it. He's given it life and that is what brings hope into every situation. And so every opportunity you get this morning I pray that you're going to be inspired to go from this place to be led by Jesus where he wants you to go, to touch people he wants you to touch, to be used in his manner, his way, and leave the results with him. And whatever it is, you might be a very busy person every day, but if God switches a light on and says, stop what you're doing, pick up the phone and call that person, you don't know their circumstance. You don't know where they are, what they're about to do, and what you're intervening at that moment. Just to change a thought, change a response, change a circumstance, because the Holy Spirit breathed into you that thought, but you have a choice. Are you going to take Jesus by the hand and let him lead you where he wants to go? Or are you going to stay in the mud and stay in darkness and continue waiting on, on the benefit of others to pull you up and drag you to the next person that comes through the town.
reach out in faith and see what Jesus can do with you, through you, for him. That's the message outside the village. That's the message. So if we can have some music, please. What I want to do this morning and what I want to encourage is that everywhere you look, there are blind people. Not just physically blind, but spiritually blind people. There might be some here this morning that you're sitting here thinking, a lot of words, but where's this Jesus today? And the fact is that you and I are given the opportunity to meet Jesus face to face. To reach out and say, Lord, I don't know, I don't understand, but I'm willing, willing to reach out and allow you to touch me. Because it's all about Jesus. It's not actually about us. He wants our willingness. He will then respond. And so you might be sitting here this morning and you might be thinking, I don't know. I'm just not sure. All you need to do is to reach out to let him to touch you and let him change your sight and change your vision and change the way you see your world and change the way you can react and respond in your situation with his help. There may be others of you here this morning. And yes, I made a commitment to Christ many years ago. I've been following the Lord. I've been coming to church. I've been doing all these things. Have you been led outside the village? Have you been stretched in your faith from being a follower to being a disciple? Have you been stretched to go from just, I believe Jesus can do this, to stepping out in faith and being used by God for His glory to watch what only He can do in your situation with your friends that are blind, with your family that are blind, with your work associates that are blind. Because friends, the things we don't talk about is the blind end up maiming themselves. They end up hurting themselves. And, and it's not a life, it's an existence. You and I that know Jesus, we not only have faith and hope, we have sight and we have vision outside the village. What are you going to do with that vision? Because each of us have a responsibility with that vision to share it with others. Share it with those inside the village to lead them to Jesus. What Jan and I and our family were exposed to, there's so many stories that I was told of people that survived the fires, but the trauma of the fires, and, and I wouldn't repeat it. I just wouldn't tell. I wouldn't even tell my wife some of the stories that I heard. But the fact is that I hung on to there was nothing else besides Jesus and hope. Hope for the future. Hope to give them vision. Hope to give people a purpose to continue to live and to press through that, that traumatic time. And now God's gifted me to be a community pastor. I didn't know that was on the radar three years ago. And, and a place called the Hope Centre. You serious? Hope Centre? thought it was just a sign on a building, you know. But, but again, God has equipped us. He's equipped you. He's equipped me. It's not about one person. It's about one body. And Jesus leading us as a body of believers, what passion has he given to you 
What is your response? Because for each of us, He's put His seed in each of, each of you and He breathes on that seed, but He wants it to be reproducible seed. He wants to see more and more fruit come out of us as a result of the time we have here on earth. The hope He has planted in you this morning is not just for you, it's for those you love and care for. Who do you love and care for this morning? Who is it that God's put on your heart this morning? Who are the blind that you know that as a result of today, you're going to stop and you're going to start praying fervently that God will use you to take them outside the village, to lead them to a place where only Jesus can deal with their blindness to lead them to a place where only Jesus can restore their sight, but restore their vision, their purpose, their destiny beyond here and now, beyond what they've come from, beyond the darkness that they've endured. Who and when are you going to respond? And I want to give everyone the opportunity this morning to respond. I want to use God's Word, which is the ultimate authority, God's Word as our prayer this morning. And I want to invite everyone to stand up now. And I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes and listen to these words. And as you bow your heads and you close your eyes, don't be put off by people around you or near you. Or I want you to picture a blind man standing right beside you now. A blind man standing right beside you now. And you're the only contact he has. And he's crying, and you can see, but he can't see. He's crying, and the tears are dripping down onto your feet. And he's saying... Would you take me to the one that can heal me? Are you willing to be stretched this morning? Are you willing to get awkward and uncomfortable this morning? Are you willing to take that person and to lead them to the one that you know, the only one that can touch them, transform them and heal them? And that person is Jesus. As you've got your heads bowed and your eyes closed and you're visualising this blind person standing beside you, not beside anyone else, he, he's asking you, what have you got to give to him today? Do you have faith? Do you have hope? That's what he's asking for. If you want to be stretched this morning, if you dare to be stretched this morning, would you raise your hands and I'm going to pray for you right now that you're going to have an amazing impact for God's glory, not your glory, for God's glory. As you raise your hands, keep your, your heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to pray for you through the book of Ephesians. And this is the prayer as you keep your hands up. And this is what we're asking God to do. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, Ephesians 2, 16, 17 says this. This is our prayer. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. 
I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. And I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And Father, this is our prayer this morning as we stand this morning, as we bow our heads in acknowledgement that it's all about You and it's all about what You want to do, where You want to take us, where, what You want to do through us in order to glorify Your Name. Father, this morning, would You start afresh in me, in Jesus' Name. Father, would You start afresh in our community, in our family, in our friends, in the ones that we say that we love and care for, but you were willing to die to set them free. And so, Father, in the Name of Jesus, we commit them to you this morning and we commit ourselves to you this morning and we ask that you would give us fresh sight, fresh insight and fresh vision to understand what is it that you want us to do and where do you want to take us and that we will keep our eyes focused on you at all cost. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Thanks, Johnny. God is good, isn't He?